Marketing, Management, and Money. Uh, this is Ryan Murray here with my guest, Tim Fitzpatrick. Uh, Tim is the owner of Rialto Marketing. We're actually really excited to have him on today because, uh, so Tim's been doing Rialto Marketing since 2013, and he's worked a lot with getting businesses kind of up and going, simplifying that marketing process, uh, reducing stress, which is super critical when you're uh, dealing with a small business, and, uh, you know, kind of just getting to the, those fundamentals. And we're going to be talking about that a lot today. But the thing that I really like about Tim is that uh, he's got a pretty vast background here. Uh, you know, so uh, he's been uh, an entrepreneur business owner for several years, 20 plus years, actually, is kind of what we're looking at. And, uh, you know, he's uh, been doing some wholesale distribution prior to uh, working with uh, Rialto Marketing and, and launching into that space. And so we're going to be able to kind of bring some of that in. But uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just uh, welcome Tim out. Uh, thank you for joining us. And, and Tim, why don't you take a second and uh, just share with our audience a little bit of your background. How did you go from, you know, uh, wholesale distribution into marketing? You know, what, what did that transition look like? And let's, let's just, let's just kind of, you know, Get, get started here with, with some of your background. Cool. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. So, uh, gosh, my entrepreneurial journey um, has not been a straight path. It's not, it's not a straight path for most of us. Is it ever? Right? It's, it, you know, it's, it's like a, a river, right? <laughs> Does it ever yes. cut straight? It's a winding road. Uh, so I, you know, I was not one of those kids that was like, you know, selling baseball cards or hawking stuff at garage sales to make money. Uh, I was not super entrepreneurial as a kid, but when I graduated from college, I ended up getting involved in a wholesale distribution company. I became a partner in that company. And that's where I really got the entrepreneurial bug. Once I learned more doing that in six months than I did in four years of college. So sure. I just, I jumped in with both feet. I loved it. And man, it was, it was like a real world MBA doing that. And we grew that business about 60% a year for 10 years. And then we sold it. Um, after that, I stayed on with the company that bought us for another three years. I then I moved transitioned. I was, I was born and raised in the Bay area in Northern California. Mm -hmm. And when my contract was up after we got bought, I, I moved with the company to the Denver Metro area. And about a year after I actually got laid off. So this was 2008, 2009 okay. timeframe, yeah. which, um, you know, getting laid off by the company that botches uh, happens more often than people think. <laughs> so, so by the way, uh, I'm I'm gonna let you kind of keep going with your story, but we yeah. are gonna come back to this because I want to talk about what it was like being on with that company. So just just put kind of a a place mark there. But cool. Keep going with your story here. Yeah. So uh, after I got laid off, I was like, man, I the only thing I know professionally is distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved it. It, it was a great experience. What, what am I going to do now? And so I started to think about, you know, some of the other things that I was interested in. I had always been interested in residential real estate and in real estate investment. Okay. So I said, what's a better way to, to learn this than just be a realtor and learn the business. So okay. that's what I did. I jumped in. Most people are like, Tim, what are you doing? It's, it was like 20 early 2010 at that time. Mm. Uh, horrible real estate market, right. but there is opportunity in every market. And in that market, I was started door knocking houses for people that were in foreclosure. And I started doing short sale business where mm -hmm. we were negotiating with the bank to sell the house for less than what it was worth. And man, I learned a ton doing that. I put myself outside of my comfort zone almost daily. Um, but about two and a half, three years in, I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. This is not lighting my fire. I'm waking up dreading going to work every day. And that was not what I was used to. And so I said, man, I gotta, I gotta shift gears again and get into something different. And so I, you know, I thought about what did I love about being in distribution? Where are my skill sets? And that's when I got involved in, in marketing, started my company, Rialto marketing, and that's what I'm doing today. So that's, that's, awesome. that's the short of it. So now take just a second because when you say marketing, uh, I mean, I've seen everything under the sun. And so like, what does Rialto specialize in? And what did you really bring to the table that kind of set you apart from, and, and the other thing, okay, you're going to get a little bit of my pet peeve here. Uh, 
marketing is almost one of those things that, you know, people that don't know what they're doing are just like, oh, I'm now in marketing. And, you know, and and I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful to anyone, but you've obviously had success in this space. So kind of what has set you apart and what have you been able to do in marketing that really has made it work as opposed to being some of these, you know, just fly by nights that they, they start up and shut down just as quickly. Yeah. So, Uh, Like my entrepreneurial journey as a whole, my journey with marketing has been a winding road. Mm -hmm. You know, when I initially started, I, we were specializing in just mobile applications. So we were primarily selling mobile applications in the K-12 education space. You know, so schools were using it as a communication tool uh, with their, with their stakeholders. Well, about two and a half, three years in, there were a lot of changes with the publishing guidelines for apps, especially with Apple. And it literally stopped people like me and our tracks from publishing apps. Mm. And I was like, oh boy, okay, this is not a good place to be. You know, my livelihood is very tied to the policies of Apple and Google. I I don't want to be here. Uh Um, This is not a good spot. Now, you know, we eventually worked through those and, and the, you know, we, we were able to start publishing apps again, but I was like, man, I can't, I can't, I don't want to do this again. Okay. So at that point, I started looking at, you know, where, where's the need from a small business standpoint with marketing? And, and that's what we're doing today, which is we, you know, we help primarily service businesses, you know, so coaches, consultants, professional service people, um, simplify marketing so that they can grow. You know, what we find is so many people are just battling information overload when it comes to marketing, they feel overwhelmed. And when, that's the case. You can't create a plan or at least a good plan that you can actually follow. Mm. But the problem is we, you got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you don't know what your priorities are. You don't have clarity. You try everything under the sun, hoping that it's going to stick and it doesn't. And you wonder why it all marketing success all comes back to the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And that's what we really do is we focus on the fundamentals, help people get those fundamentals in place so that they can then build the rest of their house from. So we get the fundamentals in place, put a plan in place, and then we can help our clients manage that plan on an ongoing basis. So just think of us as the architect and the general contractor. That's what we do from a marketing standpoint. I love it. Love it. So uh, for those of you who are listening, if you want to check out the website, Rialto Marketing, that's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. And so you can check it out and you can see what's going on, but we're going to get into this. And so let's talk about, you keep going back to this idea of the fundamentals, what it is people are overcomplicating. They're getting in, you made the comment that, you know, there's too much information, information overload. And, and we see this a lot, but it's almost, it's a snare that people don't realize that they're in until they're in. You can look back and you can see, oh my gosh, I, I've been making mistakes, but you can't look forward and, and see it as easily. So uh, talk to, you know, talk to me about when, when you're saying the fundamentals, what, what things are you hammering and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what are some of the common pitfalls and how do you see these moving forward, not just in the rearview mirror? So when I look at the fundamentals, I call them the marketing strategy trilogy. You, you, one is you have to understand your target market and who your ideal clients are. Everything from a marketing standpoint starts there. Then two, you have to have a clear engaging message that engages and attracts that target market. And then you have to have a plan of how you're going to get that message in front of those people. To me, those are the fundamentals of marketing. And, you know, I don't care whether you're talking about marketing or, you know, entrepreneurship or hitting a baseball, the fundamentals in any discipline, (laughs) they don't change. Correct. They're the same. Okay. They are evergreen. They will always be evergreen. But the problem with marketing is it's just, there's, it's so broad now, right? When I was in distribution, man, there was, it was mostly offline stuff, you know, websites were informational brochures at that point, Mm -hmm. not to say that it was easy then, but gosh, it's, it just is so much more overwhelming now because you have all these digital channels and people feel like I got to be here and I got to be there. And when you put the cart before the horse and you jump into tactics before you have that strategy and those fundamentals in place, 
things just aren't going to work. You know, the quote that I love from Michael Jordan, he said, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're building a house without a foundation if you just get into tactics and that's never going to last long term. So that's why the fundamentals are so important, but they're not cool. They're not sexy. Nobody likes to talk about them, which is why I like to talk about them because you're never going to have long-term success if you don't have those in place first. So, so I had an organization that came to me, this was about two months ago and uh, they actually wanted to hire me. They reached out and they said, hey, you do marketing, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they wanted to hire me to do their social media marketing. And I got back to them and I said, well, you've got two problems here. I'm like, number one, uh, the the rates that I charge because I do like professional trainings, I, you're not gonna wanna hire me. I guarantee that you're not gonna want me doing your Facebook page for a professional training fee. Like, it's just not gonna make sense. And Number two, I'm like, do you, what, do you, what are you even trying to accomplish here? Like, why are you starting yeah. with Facebook? And they didn't know. And so what I ended up doing is I ended up doing a training with them. And they walked away from there and they're like, oh my gosh, we just saw so many things. Because what they thought they needed is they thought they needed to hire someone to oversee all this social media that they were falling behind on. And in reality, what they needed is they needed to get organized and realize, okay, what am I even trying to accomplish here? What is our organization trying to do? How do we connect with our, you know, our customer and our target, you know, our target market? And so uh, what you're saying is 100% resonating with the way that we operate here at Marketing Management Money. And so I absolutely love it. But I, I, I want to dig into this for just a second. And, yep. you know, so you started with this idea of getting the target market. We struggle to help our clientele recognize who their correct target market is. And the problem that we constantly run up against is people make assumptions, and they're not always good assumptions, as to who the target market is. And it's kind of, it's not really who their target market is, it's kind of who they almost, you know, like envision that this person is going to be or should be. And it ends up being an unrealistic person. It's it's no longer a human being. It's like some <laughs> weird abstract, you know, concept. Uh, and I'm like, that's not a customer anymore. So what do you do? How do you help businesses get to that fundamental of target market without getting pulled away? Because it's so tempting yeah. to get pulled away. So there are multiple ways you can do this, right? And there's no right or wrong way per se. Sure. But let's talk about a couple easy ways that business owners can start to hone in on who their ideal clients are. Um, And one, when we talk about, you know, you have your target market, but then within your target market, you have ideal clients, right? So if I'm, you know, a lot of people say, well, hey, well, I work with entrepreneurs. Well, that's pretty broad, right? We mm-hmm. want to narrow things because if the narrower we go, the easier it is to hone in on where these people are. And when we know where people are, then we know where we need to be to put our marketing message in front. So mm-hmm. we're better off going narrow, but um, we need to under- understand who we're going to serve and how we're going to serve those people. And the easiest place that I find to start for a business that has been in business for a while, you've got existing customers, you have past customers is to look at those people. Look at your current and your past customers and ask yourself three questions, okay? One, who do you enjoy working with? Mm -hmm. Why the hell do we wanna be in business if we're gonna work with people that we don't like working with? I mean, that's just gonna make (laughs) every day a nightmare, right? So ask yourself that question first. Second, who are your most profitable customers? And a lot of businesses are surprised to find out that their most profitable customers aren't may not be their largest customers. and Sometimes I, your largest customers are just hammering you. They are taking everything out of you. They are trying to get as they're trying to squeeze water out of a rock. Uh-huh. And so maybe those large customers drive volume, but they may not be driving a lot of profitability. And, and, and I so, love that distinction there because so often we get hung up on the sales side of things but you're talking about the profit. You're like, take the expenses yes. out, all the work that goes into actually getting something from that. So I think that's a, a beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful distinction. Okay, number three. It's important, right? So the last question is, who do you do your best work for? Mm. Who do you get great results for? Okay. So when you ask yourself these three questions, you end up with a subgroup of current and past customers 
that you, that you love working with, they're profitable, and you get great results. That's the group where you start to then dig into the demographics and the psychographics. You know, what the demographics are, you know, that's the numbers, right? Now, depending on, you know, whether you're in business to business or business to consumer, those demographics may be a little bit different, right? But it could be age ranges, where they live, what type of house, you know, what, sure. how much is their house, you know, what type of job do they have? What industry are they in, right? Those are all examples of demographics. All the demographics do is help us start to gain a better understanding of who our ideal clients are. Mm-hmm. The psychographics is when we're starting to get into their head. What, what are the common problems that they have as it relates to what we do? What are the results they're looking for? What are the roadblocks that they have? Those types of things. Now, and when we look at the demographics and the psychographics, inevitably what happens is one to three subgroups come out of that main subgroup. Okay. Those are going to be your ideal clients. Okay. Okay. Now, I imagine that the psychographics and the demographics is where people start to overcomplicate. I mean, you've been you've been hammering the point of keep it simple, stupid. You know, kind of the kiss principle, and yep. um, you know, and so I'm looking at this and saying. That's probably where, because you start getting into psychographics. I mean, some of our listeners maybe have never even heard that term, and they're not very familiar with it. And and you start thinking that you're getting into deep psychology, but this isn't. You're just you're no. just looking for common threads. You're just looking for commonality and and asking yourself, yep. you know, where are these people hanging out? What are their hobbies? What are their interests? Are there any similarities? And if you've got these big outliers, I'm assuming that you kind of just throw that out or ignore that or don't worry about that. You're looking for yes. the, the, those common subgroups, not yes. these niche, odd, you know, no. kind of quirky subgroups that that's right. You know, tend to tend to pull us in, but that's not that's not where we want to be. It's the one to three groups that have the most commonality. Mm. Right? Because you're always going to have outliers when you look at data. You want to see where the majority of people are. Are the majority people in group it, and sometimes you only have one, right? Sure. It's okay to only have one ideal client type. What I tell people is I don't think it makes sense to have more than three. Because if you go more than three and they're drastically different, you are, you're broadening, you know, it's your, your, what you're trying to focus on, right? Yeah. Now, you know, like in my case, coaches, consultant, professional service providers, they're all people that are selling their expertise. Sure. The, 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 so they're, they're slightly different. But their issues with marketing, they're they're the same. They're similar, right? And so um, although they're distinct, they have some similarities. So it's not super, super broad. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just need to be careful of that. You just want to have enough information where you go, yeah, I understand. I know who I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. If you can say that, then you're you're good. You don't need 50 data points on... (laughs) these clients, you just need to have enough so that if you explained it to somebody, Hey, these are the types of people I look, I work with, they can go, Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know a person there and I know a person there. As long as it's detailed enough for somebody to go, yes, I identify, I can identify somebody. Then I think you're in good shape. Right. Okay. Okay. That's beautiful. So now we've got kind of that, that target market. We've broken it into subgroups. We've kept those subgroups limited to a, a one to three. And, you know, the next step in your recipe that you were talking about, as you said, you got to have, you know, the right messaging. So talk about that a little bit, you know, help us flesh out. So, you know, if, if, if we're looking at it, we would say, okay, we've got our target market dialed in. We feel confident with our subgroups. Now, messaging you know how am i communicating to them what am i communicating when am i communicating uh, you know so what what does that look like yeah so the easiest place for people to start is to interview existing and past clients and one of the resources that um i'll give your listeners here at the end i got a link that they can go right to that has all kinds of supporting documents for these fundamentals that we're talking about oh, that's awesome one Thank of the you. tools in there is a customer insight survey mm-hmm. there's 14 15 questions on there it is so important to interview current and past customers that are ideal customers right we mm-hmm. want to talk to ideal customers right but it's so hard for us to articulate what we do as business owners, because we can't think about our business objectively. Most of the time we're in the business. We can't see the forest through the trees. 
Yet when you sit down and you have a quick conversation with the customer and you start asking them the right questions and then you look at their answers and you go, oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. Like, why could I not see that? Well, you can't see it because you're like, you're in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. So interview existing customers, if nothing else, when you interview clients, it will confirm the assumptions that you're already making and the thoughts that you already have. Am I, are my assumptions correct or am I slightly off? Mm -hmm. And then you can take that information and now you can start to craft your message. Now, when we create messaging for clients, we use a storytelling framework. And Ryan, I did not come up with this. It is based on the hero's journey, which mm -hmm. is, I don't know, storytelling has been around for hundreds of years. <laughs> right. okay. um, the company that really popularized uh, the, the framework we use is StoryBrand uh, from Donald Miller. Okay. They've been around, I don't know how long, but thousands of people have, of businesses have used this framework to create clear, engaging messaging. The thing I love about it is one, everybody loves stories. Mm -hmm. Two, when we explain the framework to clients, they just, they get it because they can compare that to one of their favorite movies and go, Oh yeah, here, I can start plugging in all the elements right there. Mm -hmm. And all we're doing with this is we're in, using the framework to invite your customers into a story where they are the hero and your business is the guide. Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses position themselves as the hero, right? They talk about themselves too much and they make it difficult for people to understand what they actually do. We need to focus our messaging on how we can help our customers survive and thrive, help them get from where they are to where they want to be. And we need to make it really clear. If we confuse people, we're going to lose people. And when you use a storytelling framework, you eliminate those two issues. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share some personal experience here for a sure. second. First off, uh, story marketing, story branding is powerful and it makes perfect sense. It's easy for anyone to understand, but the implementation, and this is where I imagine that, you know, your expertise would come into play. So I was working with a company, uh, I still work with this company and, uh, they, uh, they were introducing, uh, story branding and we were getting into this storytelling and I'll tell you, we sat down and we were hashing out the, the, the hero's journey. And it was interesting as we went through that process of hashing out the hero's journey uh, in marketing. As we went through that process, it was difficult. And it took several sessions to just get through the first iteration uh, to where we were comfortable putting something out, putting some messaging out. Yes. Now, you know, fast forward. So this, this process has been going on for about two years now, you know, so fast forward and they're starting to see the results and implementing it into the entire business. Because like, we started with just a small piece. We're like, okay, let's yes. look at our video segments and do our video segments take the consumer, the customer on the hero's journey. But then you start getting into all of the, you know, you've got all the digital media, you've got all the print media, you've got all of the customer interactions. I mean, there's, there's so many pieces. And so uh, implementing the, the, the hero's journey, and, and honestly, that's kind of some of the beauty of it. Super easy to, uh, you know, super easy to understand, but uh, very difficult to, to master. And when you come across a business that has mastered this hero branding, you can tell, you know, because they have such powerful marketing that, you know, it's just, you, you just love to see what they produce. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of small businesses, they don't understand it. And they start to, they start to get it backwards. Like you're saying, you know, they, they think that they're the hero, you know, it's not the hero's journey. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, so yeah, from personal experience, I, I can tell you it, it was a lot more difficult than we thought it was going to be jumping into that hero's journey, but it's definitely paying off. It, um, that's why I think it's so important to start with interviewing clients mm -hmm. because and we skip that give step. You, we should have right? done that step. They'll give you the information that you need. If you're a new business, 
you can still talk to people, right? Mm -hmm. You can, you can talk to people in that, in your target, in your target market. You can, I mean, gosh, there's forums, there's Facebook groups, there's LinkedIn groups. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of places you can go online to start to gather this information. But I think you have a lot more clarity starting the process when you've done the research up front. And then you also have the data that you need to start to plug in the elements in the framework. But I will tell you, it's, it's, you know, when we work with clients on this, it's not uncommon for us to go through six to eight different drafts to really get it right. There's a lot of back and forth there. And it's not, this is not something that you sit down and you do in one day, because when the way I like to do it is we brainstorm, right? So that first session is really, okay, you've got, you've got the data. We've reviewed the the client interviews and the feedback. Here's the common out, the common themes that came up. Let's start brainstorming. Um, And let's, let's talk briefly just about what's in the framework, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at what's in the framework, one, you have the character, which is what, what does your customer want as it relates to what you do? We need to identify that. Then we've got problem elements, right? Every hero has a problem. Otherwise, there is no story. There's no no hook bringing people in. And when we look at a problem, there's a villain. There's the external problem. There's the internal problem, which is how the villain and the the problem they're encountering are making them feel. Mm -hmm. And then we've got that philosophical problem, right? Which is larger than the story itself. Why is this just plain wrong? for your customers to be battling this villain, right? So we have to talk through those things and we have to get brainstorming, get those things down on paper. Then we've got the guide, right? You are the guide. Mm -hmm. We need to position you as the guide. Positioning you as the guide actually, I think is one of the easiest parts because guides have empathy and they have authority. Empathy is just letting your customers know that you know what it's like to be in their shoes. Authority and credibility is about, you know, do I have testimonials? You know, have I worked with high profile clients? Do I have certifications? Those types of things all help establish your position as the guide. Mm -hmm. Then the guide gives the hero a plan, right? The hero has to know exactly what steps they need to take. So we outline that. And the plan really is what's it like to work with you? at a high level, step one, two, three, we're eliminating confusion here, right? What's it like to work with us as a marketing company? We do all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to, I don't want, if I tell you the 20, 30 things we do in the beginning, you're going to be like, oh my God, no, I'm gone. Right. So it's gotta be, Hey, you're going to talk to us. We're going to get the right plan and then grow your business with less stress. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a high level. What are the three, four steps I'm going to take? Then you got to call people to action. If we don't tell people what we want them to do, most people are not going to take action. Sure. So we need to have very clear call to action in our messaging and then avoid failure, right? We're all trying to avoid the hero is trying to avoid failure. Mm-hmm. And we need to paint that picture of what failure looks like. What are you going to continue to experience if you don't work with us and success? We need to paint the picture of what success looks like. What benefits are you going to realize? What results are you going to see when you work with us? We need to put those things down on paper. So that's at a high level, that's the framework. And what we're doing is popping elements in there. And then when you create your message, whatever message it's for, by the way, you use this framework everywhere. Sure. Marketing, sales, customer service, it infiltrates your entire company. Mm -hmm. Because then we're all on the same page, right? When somebody sees a marketing message and you hand it off to sales, they're hearing the exact same message. And once you've onboarded them, they hear the exact same message from customer service. Super important to have a consistent customer journey there. But um, when you need to create a message, you don't reinvent the wheel. You pull out your framework and you pull the pieces that you need to use for that particular message. That's why it's such a powerful tool. No, I, that's, I, I absolutely love it. And so firsthand, I have used it. I've seen businesses that have used it. I've seen businesses that have struggled to use it, uh, you know, because as you were talking and, you know, we've talked a lot about the fundamentals and, you know, not overcomplicating things, but there's also this level of um, understanding what you're doing and getting the yes. right experts to, uh, you know, to guide you through that. And, you know, if you don't have expertise in this, 
sure you can get it. You know, I mean, if that's the, you know, if that's the path that you want to take, if you want to get good at this, uh, like you said, you weren't the ones that, you know, invented this or created this, but if you're busy running a business, you know, if, if you are trying to take care of everything else, uh, just get the experts to, to jump in and, you know, and, and put this together. And, and so I guess, uh, I, I, I want to, I want to get to this, uh, th- this, this final step. And that is, you know, getting that message out there that, that you said yes. kind of on, on your, uh, your, your, your triangle of, of, of marketing where it's okay, get the target market, get, get the messaging put together. And we talked about, you know, doing that through the hero branding and now yeah. it's time to actually get it out there, uh, get it in front of that correct target audience, you know, saying yeah. the right thing to the right people. So uh, what does that look like? Yeah. So I want to touch on two things here. One is how you can create a simple plan. Okay. And I'll run through a simple 90 day marketing plan. Awesome. But the first thing that I think is really important is once you've understand, once you understand who your ideal clients are, one of the things that you need to do before you start putting your plan together is just brainstorm a list of where those people are. Where do they congregate online and offline? You can't create that list until you understand who your ideal clients are. So to give you just a quick example, I do a target market workshop and one of the slides that I put in that target market workshop was, Hey, let's say I, I, one of my ideal client types is chiropractors. Mm -hmm. Where are chiropractors? I don't typically work with chiropractors, but I took 15 minutes and I, in 15 minutes of online search, I had a list. What associations out there are out there for chiropractors? What podcasts are out there for chiropractors? What business publications target chiropractors? What manufacturers sell chiropractic equipment, mm-hmm. right? Those may be good people for me to, to know. Sure. Um, what YouTube channels are out there, right? All of those things are, all of those are places where I could potentially choose to be. Doesn't mean I'm going to be in all of those. And Ryan, if I had spent an hour, I probably would have come up with a two or three page list. Sure. Okay. But once I have that list, now I can start to look at, okay, I know where they are. Now, what cha- which one of those places or multiple places am I going to be and what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's key. Now, the second part of this is how do I actually create a plan, right? So many people don't have a plan. And when you don't have a plan, you don't know what your priorities are, mm-hmm. which means you're a squirrel chasing a nut, right? Yep. It's like whatever nut you see, you're going to chase. Yep. When you don't have your priorities and you don't have clarity, what happens? You're, you're stressed. Your stress goes through the roof, which is no good. Planning is key to being effective. The problem with most marketing plans is people try to put together like a year long marketing plan. And in my opinion, a year is too damn long, man. Stuff changes. We all know that last March, like (laughs) the world stopped and went the opposite direction. So our business is evolving. Our marketing needs to evolve with it. And when you look at marketing plans in 90 day sprints, it's long. It's one, it's easier. It's simpler. Absolutely. Two, it's long enough to start seeing results, but it's short enough to start making course corrections and update your plan and you just go. So that's why I love 90 days. So here's six steps in a 90 day plan. And by the way, this template that we use is in the link that we'll talk about at the end of the show here. Awesome. Awesome. So 90 days. First part of the plan, your target market. Who are your ideal clients? At a minimum, I just want a paragraph for each ideal client type. Who are they? Just This just helps keep top of mind who you intend to attract and work with. Okay. 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 Two, what's your marketing goal? This is, it's specific. It's time bound, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a 90 day plan and it should be measurable. So for example, you know, I intend to bring on five new clients in the next 90 days. The thing that I, I think is important about a goal like this to keep in mind, this is what I call an outcome-based goal. With an outcome-based goal, you could do everything possible to hit it, but there are outside circumstances, outside influences, which may impact your ability to hit that goal. Okay. So I just it can be really demotivating for people when they don't hit their goal, but you got to realize sometimes if you did everything you could and there were extenuating circumstances beyond your control, it is what it is. So it's important to know where you're headed, which is why we got to have this step, but don't get solely caught up in something like that because 
you might do everything you can and you don't get there. Sure. Yeah. What's three? Three is your budget and your resources. How much money do I have to invest in my marketing? And how much time do I have, whether it's me or people on my staff, but also with resources, you have to look at, you have to look at time, but you have to look at capability. You know, if you were on my team, Ryan, and I said to you, Hey, you know, we need to do social. And you're like, Tim, man, I don't even, I don't know what Facebook is, you know, Mm -hmm. well then either that's not going to be a good fit, or I need to level up your skill set so that you can actually execute on that. Right. So this third step really just gives us an idea of what we have to work with, because I can't take on the world if I have a $250 a month marketing budget and it's just me, mm-hmm. right? I'm destined to fail if I try to take on everything when I'm in that position. So there's nothing wrong. Wherever you are is where you are. That's okay. This is just going to help you be realistic about what you can take on and what you can't at this point. And, and, and again, we're just looking at 90 days. So, 90 days. That's you it. know, like I, where, where you're talking about the sprints. If, if you're going to stretch yourself, stretch yourself for 90 days and then, you know, see where it gets you. you you're not That's committing it. to 12 months. So I actually really like that piece because yeah. resource allocation gets complicated. It does. Um, four step, what's your current marketing plan? And when I say that, I know a lot of people don't have a plan. Sure. That's okay. All we're doing in this step is getting a baseline of where we're starting from. It's like my GPS. Okay. My GPS cannot tell me how to get to Denver International Airport until I tell it that I'm starting from Highlands Ranch. Mm -hmm. If we cannot outline what we need to do to get to where we want to go until we know where we're starting from. So in this section, I just want you to outline what have you done that's already in place and what are you continuing to do from a marketing perspective? That's it. Okay. Don't overcomplicate it. Okay. Then the fifth step is what am I going to focus on in the next 90 days? So here you're outlining what your priorities are. Okay. And there's a tool in the resources that I've mentioned multiple times here that will help people because one of the biggest roadblocks in this step is, okay, well, this is great. How do I know what the hell to focus on? Mm -hmm. Well, we have a tool called the marketing evolution index checklist, which looks at the main marketing channels and what you should have in place at each phase in three phases, phase one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, nothing's foolproof, but this is going to give you at least a good guidepost and a map where you can just go, Hey, I'm in phase one of my website. What have, do I have all these things done? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. I can move on to phase two now, but you, it's not uncommon for me to talk to somebody who's in phase two of website and they've skipped phase one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So it happens all the time. If you do not have the fundamentals in place, you have to start there. So if you don't have good messaging, you don't know who your target market is, that's where you're going to start for the next 90 days. Okay. I don't care where you are. Mm -hmm. The next logical step for most people is your website because your website, it's the hub for your marketing. Everything you do from a marketing perspective drives people there. So if you don't have those three things, you got to start there. Then you can start to expand out. And, you know, the thing is, Ryan, I mean, almost any tactic can work for any business. The tactics don't seem to work for most businesses because they've skipped these fundamentals. That's why. Mm-hmm. So in, the, in this fifth step, we're just outlining what are we going to do for the next 90 days? We're outlining our marching orders for the next 90 days. And then in the sixth step, we're going to look at what metrics we're going to track. The metrics help you measure the activity that you're taking so that you can determine whether you're making progress or you're not. Most people look at their marketing and go, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure it's working because they don't have metrics. Mm. They're not tracking metrics. So we need to track metrics. And then at the end of the 90 days, we can look at what we've done, what's working, what's not, and we update the plan and we wash, rinse, and repeat. That's it. This is like, depending on how much you write, this is a one or two page plan. Sure. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, so having worked with small businesses for over a decade, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, yes, this is how businesses operate in the small business space. This is how they operate. And when I see them try and take on these 12 month strategies, 
at best, they're going to make it six months. I, I can't think of any business that I've seen that's made it longer than six months on their 12-month plan. You yeah. know, uh, when you talk about metrics, uh, and I know you didn't mention this, and so uh, forgive me if I'm making uh, assumptions here, but I'm sure. pretty sure we're in line. You know, everyone goes straight to the analytics, and I'm like, that's great, go to the analytics. But you didn't say step six is analytics. You said step six is metrics. And those metrics don't have to be limited to analytics. You can get a lot of information off of analytics, but you can also get a lot of information off of just how many phone calls are we getting in? You know, how many customer engagements are we having? And and you can have little tally marks on a piece of paper and it's still metrics, you know, and, and if you're doing this for yeah. 90 days, that's going to help you hone in on what metrics matter. And, you know, even though you did mention that it all centers through that website, there's still a lot of metrics out there. And so, yeah, analytics, that's cool. Grab your one or two. But and again, forgive me if I'm overstepping and putting words in your mouth, but uh, that's, that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it here. No, you're, you're right on. And let's, let's dig into this just to make sure that people get out of this what they need to. When we look at metrics, there are all kinds of vanity metrics with marketing that don't mean anything. Yes. You know, how many visitors do I have on my website? How many people are on my email list? How many fans do I have on Facebook? None of that stuff matters if you're not generating leads. So the easiest metrics to track initially, if you're not already doing this, which a lot of business owners aren't, is how many leads are we generating? Where are those leads coming from? And how many of those leads are converting to customers? Those three things will tell you so much information and there are three easy things to track mm -hmm. because one, how many leads are we generating? Well, one, that's just going to tell you whether the activities that you're taking are actually increasing your lead flow, Sure. where they're coming from is going to tell you which channels are actually producing leads. And then how many convert to customers tells you, well, how many people you need to talk to, to get a new customer. That's super empowering. If I know that I need to talk to I need to get five leads to get one customer mm -hmm. or 10 leads to get one customer, because then you can start the back end stuff and know, Hey, to hit our goals. Well, we need, you know, 10 new customers, which means we need to generate a hundred leads. How mm -hmm. are we going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's how we start to break these things down. Yeah. And especially, I mean, if you're looking at hiring someone for lead generation, I mean, I know as entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to want to do everything ourselves. But, you know, if you're going to be smart and you're going to hire someone to do your lead generation, you can easily look and say, okay, how much can I afford to pay this person? If they're worth, you know, 10 leads is one customer and one customer is worth X to my business, then, you know, I can hire lead generation at this rate. And if you're at that rate, boom, you hire it. If you're not at that rate, you got to, you know, improve the process, refine the process. And so, yeah. oh, I absolutely love it. So this is what we're going to do. Um I, I, I want to, uh, we're, we're, we're going to flip flop the, 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 the wrap cool. up portion of the, uh, of the episode today, because I want you to take a second and let people know where can they find these resources? Uh, you know, what would it look like to engage with your company? Uh, you know, kind of what can they expect? Cause I guarantee that there's a lot of people out there that are listening right now that are like, okay, I think I've got it, but maybe not sure. And this is where the experts come in. So you're, I, I'm going to ask you if you would please kind of, you're going to wrap up the segment, but before we cut off the interview at the very first, you mentioned that you were fired from the company that bought you out. I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm itching to hear at least the, you know, give me the reader's digest version of, of that, because there's a lot of businesses that think that once you sell a business, it's all just, you know, you're, you're now just on the beach, you know, sipping margaritas, living the dream. And, yeah. and I'm like, no, 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 there's still work. There's still reality. Uh, so let's, let, 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 let's have you kind of, where are the resources? Um, you know, if, if people really want to engage in this type of marketing, how, you know, how do they do that? And then give me the reader's digest version of what, okay. it, what it was like getting fired I'll from, from uh, uh, selling a business. Yeah. So uh, if you want more information, you want the free resources I've mentioned multiple times, just go to our website, rialtomarketing.com. And then it's forward slash marketing dash management dash money. On that page are free resources. You don't even need to opt in to help you with these fundamentals that we've touched on today. 
if, you know, as Ryan mentioned, you, you start hitting roadblocks or you just know that you need outside eyes to make sure that you're getting it right, click on the get a free consult button that is on that page. If you go to our homepage at realtormarketing.com, you will see get a free consult all over the place. Click that button, fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I'd be happy to chat with you to give you some, some outside eyes on what I'm seeing. And, and if nothing else, you'll get some value from the call. But if you decide that, you know, hey, you would like to engage with us, we can absolutely talk about that and what next steps look like. So, um, but and, you can get a bunch of free resources at that link. And all of those links are going to be in the description for this episode. So you can just uh, check on that description. You can click on those links and, and check that out. And honestly, thank you so much. That's a, that's a huge gift that you're giving to the listeners. So I think that's awesome. Happy to do it. Uh, so Reader's Digest version of <laughs> yeah. getting fired from the company. Maybe this is just me bonus. and my own personal interest. but No. Uh, so what, here's what a lot of people don't understand. Um there are multiple ways that people buy businesses. Um, but typically what happens, typically you're not getting bought out when you, when somebody's buying a small business, you're not getting bought out. And the day you close, you walk away and everything is peaches and cream. Right. What most companies do is they either buy you out and then they want you to stay on for a certain period of time. Um, which is what happened in my case. Right. And, without overcomplicating it, our sale was pretty complicated. It was, it wasn't just our company. They bought 13 different companies like ours, rolled them up into one. So there was multiple um, partners and owners that got melded in mm -hmm. and all of us stayed on for a three-year period. During that three-year period, we, you, we certainly made some money up front, but there was over that three-year period, there was earn-out money. So if we performed at a certain level, we would earn a certain amount of money. Sure, yeah. So, which again, is very common. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the people that buy you want to make sure that they're maximizing their investment when that's how they do it. So at the end of that three-year period, I was one of the youngest people that was involved in this. So I stayed on with the company, which, um, so a lot of the partners left and they went off and did whatever they were going to do. So I was one of, I don't know, a few that stayed on for okay. less than two or three. Okay. And so when I did that, you know, I, I just thought, you know, Hey, there's, I've been in this business. I'm coming into now this really large company. And because I've been here from, you know, early on, I think there's a lot of value that I can offer. Um, you know, the challenge was we got bought by a public company and, you know, it changes man, things. going from a public to a, you know, from a small company to a public company, very different, you know, making some gross generalizations, but I think they're fairly accurate in most cases. Most public companies are managing on the quarter, not mm -hmm. the long term, because yeah. they've got shareholders they need to answer to. And in my experience in business, you have to think long-term. If you can't make decisions based on the long-term and you're only making them short-term, you end up making decisions that are detrimental to the company and its well-being. And you know, some, of, some of those things happened, 2009 happened and, and, or 2008 happened and stuff melted, right? And so you know, they closed 30% of the branch locations uh, that we had. And when they did that, you know, they were looking at cutting all over. And I think at the time I was probably one of the higher paid people in my position. I had some counterparts. Uh -huh. And so, you know, I think they were looking to get rid of salaries and get rid of, who knows, they may have been looking to just get rid of old people old, because they wanted to start habits. fresh. Yeah. 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 You know? And so, so that's what happened. And I, you know, for me, it was honestly, it was a blessing in disguise. I was not happy at the time. I was traveling a lot more than I, than I, um, than I wanted to. Um, so they kind of forced my hand and, you know, I tend to move on from things fairly quickly. Uh, I think it took longer for my wife to get over it than it did me. Um, but you know, on the way home, I called her and I was like, Hey, I, you know, I got laid off. I knew I was going to get laid off. My boss came into town. He never came into town. He was like, Hey, I need to meet you. Did he meet me on site? No, he met me at a restaurant. I'm like, Oh man, this is not good. I'm getting laid off. <laughs> and so, you know, I met him there and, and, you know, I tried to make it as easy as possible. Cause I think he was kind of bumbling a little bit. I said, look, 
just tell me what the bottom line is for me. I'm, it's okay. I'm a big boy. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, that's I, probably a longer version than you wanted. No, 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 that's actually a shorter version than what I wanted, but, uh, <laughs> we, we, we are gonna, we're, we're gonna kind of button up this, uh, button up this interview here, but I, I'm so grateful that you shared that. The reason why I wanted you to talk about that is that small businesses don't understand the realities of things that happen. Uh, you know, the horror stories that I hear of businesses that they're like, I sold my business and, you know, they ran it into the ground and, and I'm like, yeah, it happens a lot actually. Or, you know, they told me they were going to keep all me, the time. you know, they were going to keep me on for the next two years. And then within six weeks I was gone. I'm like, yeah, it happens all the time. You know, I, like, I, and so I just, I, I wanted you to, to kind of share some of that experience because your, your story is on par with, you know, what, what happened when, when businesses get bought and sold, you know, it's the same thing when houses get bought and sold, guess what? They are going to repaint the front room. They're going to tear out the yeah. carpet. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what whatever was written on that little thing. You know, and uh, you know they they might have they might have forced you to you know put put in you know something as part of the you know part of the kitchen to make it sellable, and then they get the whole kitchen, and you're like, why did you do that? You know, the same thing yes. happens in business, and so. I, yep. I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, kind of sharing that. And honestly, this has been a wonderful interview. I mean, uh, it, the, the listeners, they, they've, they've gotten tons of information. I mean, this, this right here is, it's the stuff that, that you're paying consultants for. Uh, they, they were given detailed steps, links to materials, uh, you know, all that thrown in. So, huge value. You've been an excellent guest. I greatly appreciate your time, your expertise. And so this has been Tim Fitzpatrick with Rialto Marketing. And uh, if you go to rialtomarketing.com, he's got a ton of those resources. The links are going to be in the description. Uh, but yeah, I can't say thank you enough, but uh, you've been wonderful, Tim, and uh, hope to have you back on. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Take care. You too. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions. 